0: Let's have a look at this passage in 1 Corinthians 3. We've had it read to us, and uh, if you've been here for uh, uh, a few weeks, uh, you will know that we are looking into uh, different parts of the Bible, um, thinking about how churches in the New Testament, in the early days of the Christian church, right in the first century, how they grew... Uh, yeah, this is uh, the battery batteries gone off on this one, so we'll go back to that. Um, can we go on this? Can we go on this one? Yeah. I'm on. I think I don't know why it's gone on. Okay. It may it may fade out again. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, churches were, were were growing in the ancient world, um, in in very uh, interesting places. Uh, we all know about how in the early days or maybe we some of us know. Book of Acts. I'm going to just change this and put this one on. So, let's... uh, How's that? Is that working? Is that working? Yeah. Oh, uh, right. So it's a temptation to say, is that (laughs) working? Sorry, Matt. (laughs) They They do a great job. Up there in the in the garden. Now, uh, yeah. So we, we think about how the the church grew, not just in in Jerusalem and places where Jesus was known, where there was a history and a background and an, even an understanding of the God of the Old Testament, the God of the Bible, but also uh, the, the church as it spread into the Roman world started to grow in in cities where people had no such belief in God. There was no background like that. they never heard of Jesus Christ. Some of the people had no idea what what the early Christians were talking about when they spoke about Jesus as God's anointed king, Jesus being the one who was going to come because they weren't expecting anybody to come because they didn't believe in one God. They they, they lived completely different kinds of lives. They certainly worshipped something. Uh, In fact, they worshipped all kinds of things. But they didn't share the same kind of belief that the Jewish people had. But in those cities, right across the Roman world, uh, believer, communities of believers went and, and shared their, their, their faith, their, what they believed about Jesus and their experience of him. They shared that with other people. And in those cities, churches began to form and, and grow and develop. And uh, I think it's, it's very interesting to say, well, okay... The way our culture is today is much more like those cities, isn't it? Uh, The way we are in this country and and in Western Europe today, people don't believe in God anymore. They don't have that common background. They're in the same kind of cities that, that these Roman cities were like. So if the church grew in those places, why can't it grow here too? And we're looking into the book of Acts and, and, and some of the other parts of the Bible to see what we can learn. Now, why does that matter? Well, as we've been saying, it matters, does not it? Because we want to grow in our city today, don't we? We want to be growing, as we've said, as a church, to be growing towards God. We want to be growing more like Jesus. We want to be growing in that direction. We want to grow closer together so that we may know God's love among us. But most of all, we want to be growing in an outward direction. We want other people to know about Christ, and we want to make an impact uh, along with the other churches in this city and uh, in our continent and indeed across the world. And Corinth, this big, successful, um, brash Roman city, is a place that the church grew in. It grew and it thrived. And we've looked into how it started in the book of Acts. And then last week and this week, we're thinking about uh, parts of the letter Paul wrote to those believers in Corinth a few years later, reminding them of what they were all about in the early days. He's taking them back in this passage to to their roots, as it were, not just, you know, for nostalgia's sake, you know, look at the good old days, how good it was then. No, as you may remember from our our series in Corinthians a couple of years ago, they were drifting away from their key foundations and they were getting into all kinds of difficulties and that's why Paul's taking them back there. And it's not a bad thing, is it, to get back to our our identity, to our core roots, isn't it, as Christian believers? If you are a believer, if you're not, maybe you're interested in, in what the whole core, the whole kind of foundation is. It's a verse in Colossians 2, It's is coming up in verse 6 and 7, Colossians 2. Paul's talking to some other Christians in the, and he writes this letter and he says, As you receive Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. You see that idea? As you received Christ Jesus, as you began... As, as that journey began in your life, don't stray away from, from, from that. And what is that? The, the, the key point is Jesus as your Lord, that you're rooted and you're built up in him, his truth, his person, who he is, what he's done, that you're strengthened in the faith. Paul's saying, you know, in the way you receive Christ, as, as the, the Christian life began for you, don't kind of drift away from that. Keep going in that key thing. I don't know about you but I think um, I need to be reminded of that don't you back where we started what it's all about what matters most that we're rooted in Christ so Paul here in Corinthians takes them back to their roots a bit of how it all began with them what went on in their community uh, what how it got going in Corinth what mattered most at the time and as we go into this passage let's go back with them And let's uh, ask ourselves, well, okay, does that help us see why we're here as a church? What our kind of foundations are? What matters most for us and how does that work out? The Corinthians were in trouble, as I said. They were losing their bearings for a reason. The celebrity culture of their city, and we talked about this a couple of years ago, had gotten into the way they were functioning as a church. And Paul is trying to help them in this passage deal with that. But behind it all are these key foundational truths. And he wants them to get back to them. So let's do that. Let's see if we need to recapture these truths in our life together. So how was it in the early days then for them? 1 Corinthians 5. He talks about how Apollos, that was another of the early Christian teachers who came into the church after Paul. And he says, what about Paul? That's himself. Who are we? We're servants through whom you came to believe. And he talks about how he planted the seed and so on. Three key realities I want us to think about. Three things about what they are in Corinth as a Christian community. Three things that matter a great deal. Three truths about God and how he would worked in their lives. It's not a complicated thing, really. These three kind of truths these three realities were right at the very heart of their growth and if we're going to be growing and if we as churches in this city are going to be growing maybe we need to get hold of these truths too because we need to be growing in our tough place here's the first one god gives growth god made it grow that's the first thing we see that, don't we, in these first few verses. If you want to remember that point, I suppose I haven't got any PowerPoints today because there's only three points really, but I suppose you could, uh, if you want to shake up, you could kind of, God made it grow, you could kind of go like that point up in the sky. Okay, so, do you want to do it? Yeah, go on. God made it grow. God gives growth. Okay, that's the first key thing. God gives growth. That's what the, uh, it says here. Verse 6, look at that. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Verse 7. Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. Now what kind of growth is Paul talking about here? Well, look at verse 5. Servants through whom you came to believe. It's something God did through this uh, Paul who's writing and this other person he's talking about, Apollos. God did this, they were involved in it, but people came to believe. They came to believe, as we shall see, in Christ. Paul and Apollos were involved, but God was working through them. What did they believe? Well, verse 11 goes on to say, doesn't it? No one can lay any foundation than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's the foundation. He's the basis for everything. And they, they came to understand who he was, what he'd done, how he, he was to be the center point, not just of the whole of history and what God was doing, but of their personal histories too. And they came to believe in him and, and trusted their lives to him. That was what they did. They came to believe God was involved in this process. It wasn't just that they were doing it just kind of, you know, because it was a thing they might as well do. But as they were understanding the truth about God and as they were responding to Jesus, so, so God himself was somehow at work in their lives. And some of, some of us will know that experience. You may look back at the time before you became a believer and think, well, it was somehow God was involved in this. Some of you maybe experience that right now. That sense of, of the living God is somehow going kind to of be encroaching on your personal territory as you begin to understand something about Jesus. Jesus told that parable, didn't he, of the sower, of how someone goes out and they sow seed, and the the seed lands in different kinds of uh, ground, and it grows, and it produces uh, fruit. Uh, Not all of it the same, but uh, the key thing is that in some, fruit is produced a hundred times. Paul uses that same idea here he says I planted the seed Apollos watered but God made it grow produce something in the lives of the Corinthians as they believe so what does that mean for us if it's God who gives the growth what does that mean well to state the obvious growth is something God does and the heart of what God does is that people come to believe and build their lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's what we're all about. That's what growth is. Something God does as people come to believe and build on Jesus. And it's great that we can look back over over the years one of the things we had to do to apply for money for the building fund. From some of the trusts who gave us money, they, they sent you a questionnaire, one of them, and you have to answer questions about all oh, that church and what goes on in the church and, and questions like, you know, how many people have become Christians over the last, you know, one year, two year, three year, four years, five And you don't usually add these things up, but it's, it was quite encouraging to say, oh, yeah. we sat in the staff meetings, oh, yeah, we thought about different people. And, you know, the list went on 30, 35, 40 more. It's, it's very exciting, very encouraging to see God giving growth as people come to believe in Jesus but it's something God does but we need more of it don't we we shouldn't be complacent but we shouldn't settle for less than that we need to be be expecting and understanding that God wants to grow things wants to grow as people come to uh, commit their lives to build their lives to believe in Jesus and if that's true we can be confident can't we if God's the one who gives growth, if it's up to him, then we can expect that he will be working. That's faith. We can be uh, opening our eyes. We, we, we might say, well, okay, let's look around and see what God is doing here. Uh, whether it's to do with what we do in church or as we live our lives or in our families or whatever. To be looking for God to be giving growth. It's a, uh, that perspective of confidence not complacency, but, but being aware of what God can do. A different way of looking at life, a different way of doing church or house group. Expecting, confident. God makes things grow. It's part of spiritual reality that people come to know Jesus. Let's see that. Let's believe it. Let's look for it. So we can be confident, but we can also be secure in that. If God's promised to do it, then He will do that. Let Him do what He does. And there's a security in saying, yeah, it's not all about what I do. It doesn't all depend upon me. If God is at work, and I say me, I don't mean just me, I mean you, as you think, it doesn't depend on you or you or you, or you as it were. God is at work here. If that's true, that's what it says so we we don't have to kind of force our faith on people we don't have to browbeat them continually we want to as we shall see in a minute be active because God uses people but but we 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 don't want to be so kind of hung up on the thing that we're you know and uh, we're we're so driven because we're worried that unless we do everything you know and, and save the world then you know it's not gonna happen kind of thing we can be secure Uh, I once heard somebody speaking uh, it's in the course we did actually called lost for words if God gives growth we can trust him to do what he does we need to get as we share our faith in our head that there is God's part and there is our part in the process God does his his stuff as it were and we do ours and it's really important that we don't mix those two things up that we don't try and do what God does by forcing unnatural growth But we also realize that we do have our part to play as we shall see. So we can be confident. We can be secure if God gives growth. If God's the one who gives growth, then thirdly, we need to be prayerful, don't we? If God is the one who gives growth, then as we pray, we ask him. And we kind of join him in what he is doing as we pray. Prayer is a supernatural process in which we cooperate with the living God in what he is doing. And we have the privilege to be part of that. A supernatural process. So, as you're in, in a house group, then, then as, as we pray, that's really important. Because if God is the one who gives growth, then an index of whether we really believe that and are trusting Him and expecting Him to do it will be seen in whether we pray or not. Because as we pray, we're asking Him to do what He does, don't we? So, can I remind you, encourage you, and uh, I wish I had time to tell stories, but that may be for another occasion. Well, how long was it? 18 months ago now? Thanks to some, uh, Tony Lewis encouraged us as as leaders to, uh, from some experience, he'd had in Wales to start something which we called House of Prayer. Was that 18 months ago? Two years ago, two years ago. House of Prayer is quite simply half an hour in the middle of the day, to come and meet with God and pray. That's what we do. Uh, Those of us uh, who want to and who are available, come along, not many of us, every day, apart from Thursdays when there's something on in the church, just from one o'clock to half past one. We've been doing it every day. We pray through things. It's uh, it's just something we do. And we've been praying for certain things to happen And certain things have happened. We've seen great answers to prayer. Can I encourage you, if you're available and you want to, I know most of us perhaps aren't available, but come along and join it. Try You don't have to come every day. Come when you can. One o'clock. But here's something else you can do. Ah, is that working? Right. There is a House of Prayer Facebook secret group. Okay? If you don't know about Facebook, don't worry about it. But if you do, you can join the House of Prayer secret group. And what that means is that uh, it means your friends or your other Facebook friends won't know you're in it. But when we post something in the house, every day we post uh, people that we pray for, uh, a Bible passage we'll be reading. If you want to be part of that, if you're at work and you've got half an hour of tea break sometime, join the group, secret group, get online and pray with us. Let's make it a virtual community, not just a, a community that, that pray together. Uh, how do you become a member of the secret group it's so secret <laughs> well uh, send me an email and I'll invite you to it or you could send uh, the office an email Chris in the office admin at portswood.org.uk and and I think you can put people in Chris can't you uh, and, and then if you have you see that tab up there notifications uh, Is it on of yeah thanks how um, along the top there there's something that says notifications and a green a green thing a green uh, thing if that's uh, there it is yes yeah, see. Uh, that's ticked if you tick that when you come join the group that means you will get an email every day with what we're praying for in the house prayer so why not join it get involved be part of it why because God gives growth (laughs) and when we pray we're asking God to give us this growth or to honor his name and glorify Jesus as people grow so praying together is a really key way that we kind of live out that truth that God gives growth. It's God who gives the growth. And finally, very briefly on this section, we can be generous. If God gives growth, I don't mean generous with our money, but that's also very good. But we can be generous with, with how we view what we're involved in as Portswood Church. It says here, you are God's field. You are God's building. It's God's work. And As we look at the city, uh, and as we see what God's doing in other churches, then we want, to, we want to bless other churches, don't we? Because it's God's field. It's not just about Portsmouth Church. It's all of the churches in this city. And it's great to have fellowship with the Chinese church. They use our building and, and they pray for us. We pray for them a bit. I have a great time when I can make it, as I join uh, with some of the other pastors in the city through the Southampton Christian Network on Thursdays. as a lunchtime, and, and there's friendships, and there's opportunities to share. Because, why do we do that? Because it's God's work, God's growth, God's field, God's building. Of course, we don't want people to leave Portswood Church, uh, but if they do and go to another church, as long as they're going on with the Lord, well, it's his church, his thing. I hope you don't all leave now, by the way. I would be disappointed. But you know what I mean. So God gives growth. That's the first thing, okay? God gives growth. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. God uses people, okay? So if that's God gives growth. God uses people. You could do that. Do you want to do that? Since we haven't got any other illustration. God uses people. That's us. God uses people. I love this phrase in verse 5. Look at verse 5. Servants through whom you came to believe it's a bit of a quaint way a correct way through whom (laughs) God works through whom through people like us people Paul talks about himself and about Apollos Uh, there were others as well as we've seen there was this couple Priscilla and Aquila there was Silas and Timothy there was the guy who was the leader of the synagogue who became a believer and the person who lived next door to the synagogue in Corinth. We read all about that in Acts 18. But Paul is saying God uses people, different people. Apollos and Paul, he goes on to say they were different. They were there at different times, actually. They, weren't, they didn't overlap that much in Corinth. But God used Apollos, God used Paul, God uses different people. They were there at different times. They were doing different things, but God is is using them. Verse 5 says, As the Lord has assigned to each his task. The Lord assigns them. That's the Lord Jesus. Jesus is involved in it. Assigning them tasks. Giving them purpose. He says there, they have one purpose, doesn't it? says that they're rewarded by Jesus that's an interesting thought as Jesus assigns them tasks he says we have the the joy of something from him as a kind of reward for what we're doing don't do it for rewards but there's that joy that comes from that so Jesus is part but they've all got things to do because God uses people they've got to do something haven't they they're involved in it so here's the question what is the Lord assigning you to do good question to ask in your life and it's great that there are even in this example variety there's diversity so ask him what has he got for you to do listen to him help each other find out what's going on find out what other people are doing you know, some people, are uh, Peter and Sandra, aren't here this morning because they were out on the streets doing street pastors last night. And others in the fellowship do street pastors. Uh, other people are involved serving in other ways. Other people are saying, no, I've got time for that, but I'm certainly praying about what the Lord would assign me to do in my workplace or, you know, the hospital ward where I, uh, I am or, or, or the, the people I visit or, or my neighbors. Uh, you know, the, but the question is, what has the Lord assigned you and me, to do. What has He assigned me? To, uh, to do. Get on with it. Get started. Try things out. <laughs> have a go at something. Now that can be quite scary, can't it? Some of my, some of you might think, "Oh, that's a bit scary." What, what could the Lord have assigned me to do? What happens if it's something you say, street pastors? I can't stay awake past half past ten at night and I'm really scared of people on the streets and, and I get arthritis in the cold. I can't be a street. How could I do that? Well, no, maybe the Lord hasn't assigned you to do that. But look at verse 10. By the grace God has given me, says Paul, as he talks about what he did. What does that mean, by the grace God has given me? Well, Paul is saying God has given me his resources, his help. The Lord has assigned me the task to do, but he's given me the ability, the natural gifts and the spiritual gifts, to get on with it and do it. The kind of oomph, if you like, the, 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 the fuel in the tank to do what he's assigned us to do. It's the same for us. God gives us the grace to serve him. But Paul goes on to say in verse 10, as we get on with doing what we do, we need to do it carefully, don't we? verse 10 uh, it says there each one should be careful how he builds he's using the analogy now of building it's the picture there isn't it and I-, I notice it is each one it's he's not saying we need we need to be careful Paul and polis how we build and so on it says everyone the assumption is everyone's involved in some way Everyone needs to be careful in the way that we build in, 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 the, in our lives or as we serve God together. And the picture is of someone building on a foundation. And Paul says there's a, a great foundation that's been laid. It's Jesus Christ. He's the one that you know, shapes everything. And, and, and everything we do needs to be built on him and his character and his truth, his good news and so on. But Paul says, make sure that what we build is good stuff. Stuff that will last. And we don't want to make too many analogies about builders because we're involved with builders at the moment, aren't we? But, you know, Paul is saying, I want you, you, you know, as you as you serve me, as God uses you, don't be like a cowboy builder, you know, who, who just, you know, can't be bothered to to get the, you know, really good quality stuff, you know, things. Oh, well, I need to put a bit of plasterboard up there. Well, I'll, I, you know, I won't order some. Oh, there's a bit in the skip. I'll use that. And nobody will notice it will be, you know, filled in afterwards. Or, you know, oh, there's some... You just whatever comes to hand to use. Paul is saying, No, as you build, build carefully. Build stuff that is consistent with Jesus into the way you serve him. Stuff that will last, Paul says, There's gonna be a day, he said, when when what we've done will be kind of assessed and tested, stress tested, actually, if you read the passage, in in quite a severe way. And Paul is saying that, that what we build with it needs to be good stuff gold silver precious that's not about the money we use he's saying look, you know it's possible to build with stuff in our lives that that aren't consistent with jesus that aren't about him and those things don't last because he's the foundation but if we're building on stuff that perhaps sometimes can take longer sometimes can be very costly in tears and prayer and 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 being with people uh, and, and, and treating them with, with respect and honesty, you know. Not walking away from your be- your friends just because they don't want to become a Christian yet. You know, you stick with them. You keep praying. You keep loving. you know, Whatever your situation may be. Costly stuff gets built in because it's like Jesus building on his foundation. And then he says, you'll be rewarded. Now, I'm not sure how that works. So I'm not going to say anything about it. So but uh, it's clearly there Paul is saying how we've lived will be tested we'll be rescued but somehow we don't want our, all that we've done for God to disappear in a puff of smoke one day we want to be rewarded don't you want Jesus to be pleased with you there's that song we sometimes sing in you know, about you know I, I want to hear him say well done because that's uh, comes from one of the parables that Jesus told so God uses people he gives growth but he uses people people using their gifts are crucial to growth people involved in different ways people building in order to bring glory and pleasure to Jesus building on him using stuff that's compatible with him with such an amazing foundation so are we going to be those people who build Are you how could you build as part of your house group I don't mean if you're leading it as a member of a house group did you ever know by the way that the members of the house group were actually much more kind of crucial to the success and the fruitfulness of it than the leader did you know that you can have a you can have a great leader and if, if all the members of the house group couldn't give a monkeys it's hopeless absolutely terrible but if all the members of even if the le- leaders hopeless and I'm sure none of our leaders are hopeless but even if the leader's hopeless, which none of them are, or discouraged, or struggling, or finding it really difficult, if the members arrive, you know, with a heart, what am I going to build tonight? What are we going to do that's built on Jesus? Now, if, if we go with that, it'll transform the leader for sure. And you'll all be rewarded. You'll have a great evening apart from anything else. How can we build? How to give? Again, don't say more about the Facebook prayer and so on. But there are ways we can do that. Get involved in a project or a ministry if you can. God uses people. Finally, third thing. Now, so we've got God gives growth. Do you want to do it? Oh, yeah, go on, do it. God gives growth. God uses people. What's the third thing? (laughs) Uh, Now, I don't really want to do that. You could do this if you want. You could either symbolically go together or you could reach out and touch the person if you want but you might not want to do it. but, but you know the idea together That the thing the, the point is that together oh let's do that together together we are God's people together we are God's temple rather sorry together we are God's temple Paul hits them now in the verses 16 and 17 with a really big idea. He does this in Corinthians quite a bit. The phrase, don't you know, is a phrase that you might remember from before. Comes up in Corinthians quite a bit. Particularly when he's trying to get them back to you know, where they should be. He says, don't you know that such and such a thing, and, and this is a, one of the first times he uses it. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's people? He wants them to get their thinking really straight, to get that in their heads. He said, he said, if you get that in your heads, then your whole community life will be shaped differently. And what's it all about? It's about how they are as a community. It doesn't say, you are God's temples, does it? it said, although later in 1 Corinthians, he will use that analogy. But at this point, he says, you are God's temple. Together, you are God's temple and what he goes on to explain what that means he says you are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you together together you yourselves they're like a temple he says to them God lives in your shared life together He's living in them together as a community. He's living with them by the Holy Spirit. So when they're together, when they're doing things together, He's there. He's part of it. He, he's, they're experiencing God living in them together in a, in a special, in a, in a sense, a, a unique way that is, is perhaps extra to what they experience individually. It doesn't seem to make sense. does it make sense if that's what he's saying. Together you are God's temple. God's spirit lives in you together. That's part of their growth. That's how they grew. What made them distinctive. (laughs) That's why pagans in, in Corinth wanted to be part of their community. Because the living God was indwelling them together. They could sense that he was doing something. Actually, later on in, in the book of Corinthians, uh, Paul, when he's trying to straighten them out on some of the way their, their, their public worship went, you can hear that on, on one of the online sermons if you like. But do you remember, he says, I want you to be worshipping in a way that when someone who's not a believer comes in and you're worshipping, praising God, they'll say, the living God is with you. Surely God is among you. And Paul is saying together you're God's temple your community life your shared life your common life matters now do we see what this means we're missing something if we're not together if you're if you're visiting today and you're not in a community of believers at all um, if you want to join us that's fine Uh, but the key thing is find somewhere be part of a, a community of believers because if you're not together with others, you're missing something. So when we're together in prayer, when we're together in worship, when we're together in mission, God is particularly indwelling us in a way that's more than we know when we're on our own. And more than that, God loves to be with us as his people. That comes there out in those verses. He cares passionately for his, his, his people together. Verse 17. It's quite a scary voice, a verse, rather. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. Now, again, Paul's going to talk about all the problems in their church, and he's getting them ready to see look, to some of the, the problems that they had in their church really mattered to God. It was really, really important. But behind it is this sense that God is concerned. He's passionate about being with them. As they're together as a community it's holy it says it's very sacred it's special and if we destroy it we'll have him to deal with so if that's true will that affect the way we regard being part of a community of believers in our heads and uh, once we get it in our heads maybe how we do the corporate stuff together Together on Sundays, together in our small groups, together when we pray. If this is true, these are special times. In fact, you never thought about that as you go to your house group, you drink your tea and you know, all the other things that go on in it. That this is a holy place where the living God, by his spirit, is here, dwelling here with us. It's so easy, isn't it, to think, oh, we're going to the house group, or, oh, shall I go to the prayer meeting tonight? Oh, it's Wednesday night, oh, it's cold, oh, I do you know. And uh, some of us were reflecting at the last prayer gathering, which uh, was a little bit low in numbers, but uh, we weren't over-discouraged about that. But we had a really great time, and many a time we've said, and if I'm honest, I may not, you know, I, I sometimes come, well, I have to come, you know, it's my job, you know, I come to the prayer meeting. Because I I have to confess that I don't always want to go. Uh, And and people were saying afterwards, we were talking at a few of us, I said, is is it funny, you know, you don't want to go, and that you go, and you meet with God, and it's, you know, you think, I'm stupid, you know, why didn't I want to go? You know, what made me think that this would be terrible? I didn't think it was terrible, yeah, but do you know what I mean? Something in our heads. But if we get this idea that when we gather, when we're with one another, The Holy Spirit is living among us. Maybe that will affect the way we approach things that we do together. Holy times. Churches that grow in places like Corinth are like this. Together. Temples of the living God. So there's the three things then. God gives growth. So let's be confident. Let's be full of faith. Let's be looking for what he's doing as people come to believe. Let's be praying about that he gives growth he uses people let's be willing to be one of those people as he enables us you don't have to do everything that's uh, that's not the point but what is he assigned you to do ask him ask others to pray with you about that give some time to think it over and let's realize in a new way that miracle that God lives in us together that the Holy Spirit works in a particular way when we're together. Let's experience that more. Let's pray and, and look for God to teach us more of that and grow in the wonder and the joy of it. So let's pray that we will be that kind of church, that we may grow as people filled with God in this city, and that many more people will come to know Jesus with us for his glory let just uh David's gonna lead us in prayer. Thanks, David.